Welcome to The Playlist Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Charles Barfield, Managing Editor of The Playlist. For this episode, I'm sharing an interview I did recently with actress Alexandra Daddario as we talk about her new HBO series, The White Lotus. For those unaware, The White Lotus is the new limited series from writer-director Mike White and stars Daddario along with an ensemble cast that includes Connie Britton, Jake Lacey, Steve Zahn, Sidney Sweeney, and more as they play guests at an exclusive resort. And as you might expect from a Mike White project, things don't go completely as planned as each of the characters deal with personal issues that bleed over into their time at this picturesque resort. All the while, a courteous staff has to, sometimes begrudgingly, care for their every need. Over the course of the discussion, we talk about the White Lotus, as well as some of the other roles from her career, including True Detective in recent films like We Summon the Darkness. She also comments on the fact that her name is constantly brought up in fan discussions about starring in superhero films, as she's always a fan favorite for those types of roles. But before I throw it to the interview, I got to tell you that the Playlist Podcast is part of the Playlist Podcast Network, which includes Be Real, The Fourth Wall, Deep Focus, and more. And if you want to find us, you can check your podcast app of choice, whether that's Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Anchor, Stitcher, or anywhere else you find your favorite shows. So without further ado, here's my recent interview with Alexandra Daddario, star of The White Lotus, which is now airing on HBO every Sunday. Enjoy. I'd like to welcome actress Alexandra Daddario to the Playlist Podcast. Thanks for joining the show to talk about The White Lotus. Of course. Hi. Great. Hi. So White Lotus is a limited series for HBO that's written and directed by Mike White. Having HBO and Mike White involved are obvious selling points, but honestly, was it the idea of shooting at a resort for weeks that sold you on this project? While Mike White was what sold me on the project, I would have shot wherever with him. But yes, I mean, I remember when my manager called and said I got the job, she was like, you know, two and a half months at the Four Seasons Maui, that's not so bad. Um, And it was true, especially during that period of time, I was very grateful. We all felt very lucky in the middle of a pandemic to be able to travel and um, be in such a beautiful place. Um, It ended up having its uh, downsides um, just because you're still in a pandemic and different rules apply. It's not like you get to the four seasons and you just get to run free. You still have to quarantine and and follow a lot of rules and you're still worried about getting people sick and, um, um, you know, things happen and you can't leave. So life would happen and then you're, you can't leave the property. So I was very grateful that uh, the cast and the crew were so amazing because we were all in it together and we supported each other through um, the tough times. But um, it was weird because you're also in this gorgeous place and you don't feel like you have any right to complain. So we just basically reached the conclusion that both of those things can exist at the same time. That's true. It's better than Russia any day of the week. Well, that's, I mean, not to insult Russia, but I assume you're talking weather yes yes (laughs) uh yeah so let's talk about your character in the show rachel she's just one piece of this big ensemble in the show and you play a woman that's celebrating her honeymoon with her new husband who's played by the always great jake lacy and it's quickly apparent that there are some issues with lacy's character um that you start to feel kind of embarrassed and mortified a little bit. Uh, You start to see basically he's not a great travel companion. Um, He likes to complain. So that, that actually brought up some personal things for me, traveling with some people. And I'm curious if that brought up any personal things for you. Were there stories that you can pull from? We were like, Oh God, I've been there. (laughs) 
I have had some poor travel companions. I tend to be a very, just to pat myself on the back, I'm a very good travel companion. Just, I think I've traveled so much. And um, so I'm pretty used to the things that come up when you travel and I sort of go with the flow. I haven't had someone do what Jake Lacey's character did, what Shane did. I Shane is running around very upset that he received the wrong room, even though the room that we're in is arguably better than the room that he wanted. But in his mind, he wants what he paid for. Well, his mother, Uh, what his mother paid for. His mother paid for, that's right, yes. Um, Which is very funny, Um, which is part of this, the hilarity of the show is that these people have no self-awareness or perspective, but um, no, I, I've had, I've had poor travel companions, but it wasn't because they were complaining about the accommodations. It's just that I, they weren't pleasant to be around. Um, but, um, for other reasons, but, um, yeah, I, I think for Rachel, it's a huge red flag that she's like, oh, this room's great. What's the problem? And he just will not stop. And it just shows you that they're on their honeymoon. These two people did not have the hard conversations you're supposed to have before marriage about who you really are and what you really want from life. That segues perfectly into my next question, because another aspect that becomes readily apparent uh, pretty quickly in the show is actually how very different your career ideas are. Uh, Rachel wants to have this career as a journalist. She's, as she says, she's built these relationships. Jake's like, but now you're part of a wealthy family. You can quit. Who needs a career? All that stuff. And that becomes part of the, the drama of the show. So when you were coming into this, did you speak with Mike White at all about the way you handle those scenes? Because you kind of come at it with this like reserved sort of almost good wife mentality whereas you had every right to just be like you know screw you dude like you can't do this to me um was that part of your discussions or was that just on the paper or on the script yeah I mean my my I always prep the character in a certain way and then I definitely I I'm someone who wants as much input input from the director creator as possible um especially someone like Mike White who um I really trust his vision and the story that he wants to tell and I feel that I'm just a vessel for that so I came in thinking this is a character who's like this girl is people pleaser everything's fine I don't want to rock the boat. And I think that's one of the reasons Shane married her was, oh, she's cool. She's hot. She's easygoing. Cool. You know, um, again, they haven't, they never, they, I don't think they've gotten, they got to the difficult levels of intimacy that you're supposed to go through before getting married. Um, but yeah, I think she's one of these people. She doesn't really want confrontation or, well, you know, I just think it's not in her nature. It's this people pleasing kind of thing where she doesn't want to rock the boat and she's very scared to. Um, and I think you see that throughout the series that she's acting off a lot of fear and anxiety. Okay. And and not to get into any spoilers whatsoever, but there is also one scene that you act off opposite uh, Connie Britton where you are like, you're, again, you're a journalist in the show, Rachel's a journalist, and she is, you know, has written a piece about um, this character, uh, played by Connie Britton, a very popular businesswoman. And she, there comes a point where, where it gets a little weird, it gets a little awkward, to say the least, because, you know, maybe the things you said, you meant them well, but, you know, they get interpreted away. And, and being somebody who is, quote, unquote, in the media, I hate that, but I've, I've been there. I've had that actually happen to me. So um, 
have you been on the other side of that? Have you had things written about you where you thought, oh, this person's an asshole. And then maybe like had to step back or, or even talk to the person eventually like at a junket or something? Just in, in referencing the scene for White Lotus, I haven't had that experience. Um, but um, obviously I'm in the public eye. I've been in enough films where I've been in movies that have been poorly reviewed. But I feel that, for, at least from my perspective, that everybody has the right to, everybody has the right to give an opinion and you just have to sort of ignore things and let them roll off your back. So I've never had a, you know, someone might like something I do one time and then not the other. So I personally don't have that experience, but um, for the character, for Rachel, um, I think that, that you know, she wrote this piece thinking it was a feminist piece. And she has this idea of what it is to be a feminist and to be, she needs to be an accomplished journalist and, and be respected as such. And she wants to make a name for herself and she hasn't been able to yet. And um, I don't even know how much she loves journalism, but she's, she has this idea and she had this idea that this article was great. And this woman who's older and more accomplished and who she values as being incredibly intelligent and successful has told her you wrote an article that was negative about women and um and i think that really cuts to the core um i think it's it's pretty devastating for her and again she doesn't really hit back she's just like oh i'm so sorry you know and i think that that's that's rachel yeah, and, and another scene that, that stood out to me where you were kind of in that position where you just kind of had to sit and take it, uh, and, you, and you had so much going on in your head that was obvious, you know, that you wanted to say or, or couldn't say or whatever, but there's a scene where you're with the two young women um, played by Sydney Sweeney and Brittany O'Grady, and they're these, you know, college-age girls who are reading, like, philosophy books and and kind of judge the world. Um, this The series kind of almost opens with a scene where they're just judging everybody, including your character, and you're, again, a really nice person in the show and you're trying to get to know everybody and they just kind of hit you with this judgment in every like word um what was that like dealing with these people because i assume you have you know great relationships with them on set and all that and then to to have to take this and play the good person and you know it's got to be again a little cringe just to play it yeah i mean it's so funny to me it's like being back and you know it's like I'm this 35 year old engaged or married woman um, and they're, you know, college kids and they are, it's like, I think I revert back to sort of being in high school again or college, like, like these girls are, you know, making me feel really uncomfortable and they're judging me and I don't like it. And um, I want to get back at them somehow or show them that I'm better than them somehow. So we know how the scene ends. And that's a very sort of interesting thing that Rachel does because she, you know, it's very uh, her reverting a little bit to um, a less mature version of herself. Um, but yeah, it is crazy. I mean, it's, it's, it's like reliving high school a little bit. Yeah, except again, you get the upper hand at the end. And and I do love the way that Rachel does that by, you know, it it's not even like passive aggressive. It's just kind of, you know, matter of fact, but it, it's it's beautiful how it happens. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's it's kind of an interesting insight into her as a person. It really is. To to switch gears just a little bit, I want to ask you about something that comes up a lot with with you, I think in particular, is this idea of fan casting when they talk about other projects, you know. 
big stars, they always get brought up for things, but, but you, your name seems to come up a lot specifically with superhero roles. And I just, I, I wonder what you think about that. If that's a compliment that you always get that, or, or are you sick of answering those questions? Um, I quite frankly, don't, my personality is that I, I have heard that I don't really pay a ton of attention to it. Just, just because if I get a role, great. And if not, not like the reality of the business is I I'm very grounded in reality as far as my job and, and, um, what I, what I want to do. And, um, and, uh, you know, I think it's obviously, it's so cool that people know me to the degree that they even want to put me in a fan cast. I think that's cool. But I, 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 that's really, I don't know what else to think about it beyond that. You know? <laughs> I wish they were all, you know, but yes, no, I, I don't, uh, I don't think about it that much. It's probably better that way, honestly, to not obsess over things that, you know, people want you to be in. Well, it would be great if, you know, any job, there's all kinds of things I want to do, but I I think it's, I think it's incredibly cool that people know me and that I'm at a point in my career where people want me to be in things. And that's great. That makes me happy. That's yeah, that's great. And speaking of things you've been in, I wanted to to kind of, you've covered the gamut in your career. You've, you've done Percy Jackson, which is a personal favorite of mine, weirdly enough, uh, True Detective, Baywatch. You've even like your new, newer movies, I should say recent movies would be some of the darkness, Love Girls and Love or Lost Girls and Love Hotels. Um, you've covered just basically every genre out there. Um, so when you, when, when I read the, the filmography and I'm, I've seen a lot of those movies, do you, you know, want to just kind of test the waters of genres? Or do you just like read something? You're like, that's great. I want to be a part of it. Mm, some of it's, I, I, some of it genuinely has been keep working. Okay. And, and this is cool. And I want to work with this person and I want to do all different kinds of things. Of course. Um, sometimes I'll read something and have a really interesting idea about what I want to do with the character. Uh, we Summon the Darkness was a good example of that. Um, I really liked Mark Myers, the director, and um, I just was like, this is a cool character. Um, Such a fun and, movie, by the way. Yeah, it's a fun, it's a fun movie. And how do you make this funny and make this character likable and while well, she's so off kilter and um, so that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, some of it's luck, some of it's like True Detective, I would say I really wanted to work with the actors and the director, and I got very lucky on that, the way that that turned out. And um, I just try to do things that um, seem interesting to me, but also some of it is a learning experience, and um, uh, some of it is just my own personality, my hysteria that I need to constantly work, um, <laughs> because it's just my personality. Um, and uh, I've really calmed that down this year where, you know, I think after the last 18 months, um, I, I, my hysteria to just constantly be on a set has, has settled um, and I'm a little pickier. Well, um, speaking of that, actually, the last 18 months, um, you've been kind of busy. Well, well, the lockdowns happened. You, you mentioned you were in at, at the, the Maui shoot in the White Lotus, but also you did Songbird. Um, not sure exactly how long that set was, or shoot was, but that was one of the first pan, quote unquote pandemic movies. Um, what was that like working on that set? Because that's pre-vaccine. That's, you know, we're still trying to figure this out sort of thing. That's yeah, gotta that be was, kind of a unique situation. 
yeah, that was one of those things where I was like, oh God, I get to go on a set after, oh my God, and I have to go do it. And um, it was only a couple of days in LA and um, we followed all the protocol and um, it was a quick shoot and I was just delighted to be on a set again. That was something where it was like, oh, the world's falling apart and, um, and how cool to be on a set and see what that's like. Um, so I, I, uh, I, I am very grateful that I have been able to work during the pandemic at all. Um, it's given me uh, some kind of structure to my life. Um, and I'm just, my personality is I, I constantly need new experiences and I love to travel. And so I've, I was very lucky to, uh, to have the opportunities I had. That's great. Yeah. Um, and, and, just to, to kind of close the book on your previous films, I would, I'm curious because again, I was looking through your IMDb, it's just expansive and it's not like you've been around for 50 years, you know, you've, you've done this in a fairly relatively short amount of time. So is there a role from your past that you look at now and you're like, damn, I was good in that, but maybe people don't bring up all the time. One of my favorite movies I've done that I'm very proud of is a film called I've always, uh, we have always lived in the castle. It's based mm. on a Shirley Jackson novel for some reason, the film was very well reviewed, but really didn't take off. I don't know why people, it didn't catch on. And people who who did see it loved it. It's a very weird movie. It's very good. Um, Sebastian Stan, Thaisa Farmiga and Crispin Glover and myself. And um, I was really proud of that character. It was very personal to me. Um, and uh, um you know, I think it's a cool movie. So anyone who hasn't seen it, go check it out. But yeah, it was just one of those things where you create something that's very meaningful and, um, and yeah, it doesn't get brought up a lot. I, I second that actually. That's one of, uh, that was, it's a, I wouldn't say fun, but it's a beautiful movie and it's creepy and Crispin Glover's in it and that should be enough to, to see. <laughs> exactly. Yes. So I want to talk one last thing. We have to wrap up here soon, but I want to talk about your YouTube vlogs. Um, yeah. My wife and I actually watched them and <laughs> my, my, your, your relationship with uh, Kate is almost identical to my wife's with her best friend. It's eerily. Oh, great. Yes. oh I'm glad that your wife has such a good friend. She does. Even your, even the laughs, like laughing about nothing. It's just, it's my life. I have to, whenever I'm with them, it's just all laughs and yeah, it's something I have to deal with. So I want to talk about them. They're vlog style things that you release every week, uh, covering just kind of everything. And sometimes though, you have these interesting moments where you put like these like weird music and these weird camera angles. And I'm like, wow, this is, this is interesting. So I, I, I know you edit these, right? Yes. Yeah. So is this like you flexing some more creative muscles or is there like a filmmaking future or is this just no. for gags? <laughs> I'm not flexing anything. I genuinely, I, I quarantined with Kate and Morgan in my house in LA and we are all creatives and we are, we were just like, besides being nervous, we were bored like everybody else. And um, we started doing YouTube videos where that were just silly and the editing actually really relaxed me. It was like a weird meditation where I could just focus on something else. And the moments that we captured, you know, because between me, Kate and Morgan during the pandemic, like each of us were crying every week, we'd be taking care of the other one and we'd sort of rotated and it went cyclically. So we were having 
the struggles that people have, um, people had during that time, of course. Um, and it was like an opportunity to laugh and be silly and do something creative. So it started like that. And then we just kept doing it. So we have this weird pandemic diary. Um, and, um, you know, it's definitely changed. And yeah, I started putting classical music in and, but I don't think about it that much. I just sort of put the camera wherever. And then it's in the editing. I'm like, oh, this would be interesting or this would be interesting. And they're just silly. Um, but no, it, it's not designed to be a filmmaker or it was, I'm, I'm surprised people like them as much as they do and that people find so much, they, they like them. So cool. Um, but no, it was more just, just something to do. Hey, there, there are worse things in the world to do during lockdown. That's for sure. So, yeah. uh, and at least you got to spend it with your best friends, which is, that's which is great. right. I was yeah. very lucky. So uh, we got to wrap up, but I want to tell folks listening to uh, check out The White Lotus on HBO. It debuts on July 11th. And I want to thank Alexandra Daddario again for talking with me. Thank you for having me. Uh,